0: What's up, my cerebral people? Before we get started with this episode, I just wanted to make some things known to your listening ears, including the fact that, as you will hear, this episode was recorded a couple of weeks or so before it was available for your listening pleasure, and so a lot of the information pertaining to COVID-19 is obviously dated. Uh, We just didn't want you to think that we were off our rockers, but it's crazy how much these numbers have increased in such a short amount of time, and so that brings us to the concern that we have for small businesses around the country. Please do what you can to support these businesses in your area and online however and whenever you can. For instance, if you live in the St. Louis area, be sure to reach out to our good friends at Shamrock's Pub and Grill, as well as Exit 6 Brewery, to show them all of your love and support during these difficult economic times. Also, there are a lot of musicians who cannot go to the venues in which they play, so be sure to check them out online, listen to their virtual sets that they are performing, there's a lot of them out there, give them all of your likes and shares, show them your love, and send them tips through paypal or however they are accepting those gifts from the public now i just gave you a few examples of friends who have small businesses but there are a ton of them out there so be sure to remember these folks when you're deciding to eat drink uh, or need some other kind of service while you get your quarantine on so now for the show
1: anything that the world gives you it can be taken away easily like you know in the powerlifting world now that i don't compete anymore Oh, well, I mean, like it's on to somebody else that's, you know, squatting 500 for reps. Like it's, you know, it's very, it's a non-forgiving kind of world. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, Stacy's not doing anything next. But it's like the majority of those people that are just worried about what you're lifting. Those aren't necessarily the people that I'm trying to target anyway, because that's never what it's been about for me. And so if that's what you're looking for, you should probably unfollow me. You should probably turn a different page because I think there's way more than just lifting weights. I think you can lift people through lifting weights. And I think that's the most important thing through all of it. Like, why do we train in the first place? Why do we do any of this? What's it for? Like, is your goal to have the biggest casket? Like, you know, when you're buried, is that like a a PR you want to set? Because like, what I want to do is like beyond that. It's beyond that because like lifting weights changed my life. Lifting weights saved my life. Lifting weights is how I I figured out that i could be something like i could continue to build if i wasn't there now like if i failed a rep it's like okay i'm not strong enough yet and like every seminar i give i usually talk about that word yet it's like i'm just not there yet but it doesn't mean i won't be
2: the cerebral entertainment
0: podcast Podcast. Podcast. Thank you for checking into this edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. For this episode, we bring you the purpose-driven Stacy Burr. Stacy is a four-time all-time world record holding powerlifter, CEO at Champion Mindset Athletics host of the Champion Mindset Podcast, owner and founder at Hyperion Nutrition, and the list goes on. During this episode, you will hear us discuss the state of the country in the midst of the coronavirus panic, having purpose, loving the process, and much, much more. Be sure to follow Stacy Burr, that's S-T-A-C-Y-B-U-R-R, on all the socials and let her motivate you to living a life that is driven by purpose. So, without further introduction, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome back to yet another riveting edition of the Cerebral Entertainment Podcast. I am James and with me as always is my good friend Colt. Yes sir. And on the line with us today we have Stacy Burr. How you doing over there Stacy?
1: I'm good guys, good. Glad to be on the show.
0: Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on. Returning guests. And we love having you on. We love following you on the social medias. and uh, We get our daily dose of inspiration, motivation from you. And so once again, thanks for coming on. And before we hit record, we were talking about just you know, like the state of the country and, and, and the things that are going on with this whole coronavirus thing, which I know is big talk everywhere right now. But you were asking how it was kind of here in Missouri. And, and so just to answer that question really quickly, I mean, it's they're, they're starting to shut things down. Right, I, I work in the healthcare industry, and we're having to have so many restrictions on visitors and and people leaving our facilities and things like that. But we have two confirmed cases so far. On, on different sides of the state, one in the eastern part of the state in the St. Louis area and the one in the western part of the state now in the Springfield area.
2: Really? And, I didn't know there was a second one.
0: Yeah, but but that's it. And so it's just, it's the panic. But you go to Walmart and of course there's no toilet paper, there's no Kleenex, there's no baby wipes. Can I
1: just ask when toilet paper became the go-to necessity though? I, like, I, I just, I, like, I, I'm confused <laughs> because like I don't remember toilet paper being an absolute necessity. <laughs>
0: You know what, Stacy? I, I live with, with two two girls and my boy, you know, my wife and my uh-huh. daughter and my boy, and I, I think if it's going to be a little harder for the girls because they're a little, you know, spoiled or pampered or whatever, but, you know, I think we're going to be okay without the toilet paper. I think we'll make yeah. do.
1: <laughs> like, I'm a female, too. Like, you know, I understand, like, we use more toilet paper than everybody else in the entire world, but it's okay. It's not a lit, you know, people should be going out like crazy. Oh my God, we don't have any toilet paper. And I'm like, shouldn't we be looking to like, you know, boost our immune system or like, make sure we have food to eat. Like, that's what we're worried about. Like, that's probably why the state of the country's in the situation that it is now, because uh, I'm going to get off on a tangent here completely, Do it. but it's like, the generation here, it's like they see di- things differently. It's like you need the basic survival things, not things that are going to, you know, the things that are going to pamper you and that are some people in foreign countries don't have these like basic living necessities daily, but they do just fine. Right. Like we don't honestly need toilet paper to live. But yeah, everybody's I just, you know, at arms about, oh, my God, we don't have what we need. And it's like you have what you need. You just need to take care of yourself. But like, what am I? I? You know, I don't. I don't know much. I just handle handle my business. I guess I'm just a, a rogue female. I don't need toilet paper to survive.
2: It's a feminist
1: movement. Uh, but what, what
2: I don't understand is why is toilet paper the thing? Like what? What, yeah. is, what? are we
1: eating? The toilet paper? Like, what's going
2: on? <laughs> I don't understand it. Like anything I've seen on social media is saying the same thing. Like it, it's all pictures of either empty shelves at stores because there's no toilet paper there, or people wondering why people are hoarding toilet paper. I don't. Yeah. I don't get it.
1: I mean, I made sure like actually I'm, I was pretty prepared. I'm actually pretty disaster prepared all the time because I keep like 10 gallons of water in random places, you know, just because I need to make sure I need a gallon. You know, if I'm training, I got some at the gym. I've got like one or two in my truck just, you know, if I'm on the road traveling somewhere and I've got some at the house like but I went to buy like, you know, some water and things yesterday And like you said, things were going crazy over here in Florida and it's Florida too. So, you know, that's just, that is, that's an explanation in itself, but there's several cases uh, here in Florida. I mean, there's like several cases. There's actually a case that's in like my, it's not Gainesville necessarily where I'm at, but it's like the town over. And I think there's confirmed in Tampa, this is several places here. So it's, you know, the panic has spread, I think a little bit faster um, but I mean, I was pretty, pretty disaster prepared, I guess, but I went down the aisle and got my water just fine, you know, got my water just fine. And I got like some eggs and like food that I might need to, you know, I already had cans of tuna and cans of chicken. So I'm pretty, I don't know. I'm pretty, if you guys need some supplies or whatever, like, like real supplies, like food, We'll just come over to my house and we can eat some canned chicken together. <laughs> and uh, you know, I've got I opened up my, my personal training spot, especially my private studio like my personal gym. So, I've got that, you know, for myself and like for anybody like around me specifically, but I've got all my living essentials I think and toilet paper wasn't on the list, the gym was but toilet paper wasn't. So, I don't know. And I'm I'm uh, I I'm really intrigued to see how everything pans out and, you know, just what exactly what go, what happens from here? Like, what happens from here? What do you guys think?
0: You know, the the, the virus itself is not the scary part for me because I'm having no, to. It's
1: the people.
0: The, yeah, it's the panic. It's the chaos. It, it's the toilet paper. I mean, it, 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 not that I need it. I just, what's the deal? Kind of like you know what Colt was saying. So I, I'm just I'm waiting to see the fallout from this panic. I think is what's if I if I do have any anxiety about this whatsoever, it's just about you know what's this going to do to the economy, what's it going to do, you know, to the the, uh, the prices of, of goods, you know, um, what's it going to do to our political system, what kind of power grabs are the government going to try to take, just different things like that surrounding the yeah. virus. Yeah, I mean,
1: it's definitely, I mean, that's really where I'm at, like, I, you know, I canceled several events and stuff, and, like, because it's our job, you know, to make sure that we don't spread it further, right, so, you know, backing off of gatherings and stuff like that, I know some people are freaking out about it, and, I mean, like, getting angry, But it's like, that's kind of our job, you know, from a responsibility standpoint is to make sure that, you know, for like young, healthy, thriving adults, I don't think it's a problem, really. But it's like about who the people we could affect are, you know, so we could get sick and survive. And I think that's like, what like younger people are saying is like, oh, well, this is stupid. It's not anything serious. And it's like, it's not specifically like going to like kill us, I don't think, you know, but it's like who we could affect. And it's about our awareness of just everybody around us. And, you know, just like making sure we do our part as a community, as a society. But it's like there's so many people in there that are just like this widespread panic over just panicking to panic, you know, because and that what that does is it just spikes different, you know, than like like you said, the economy. What's going to happen? Like what's going to happen from here with a society that doesn't know what to do without all these like. You know, like people are complaining about sporting events getting canceled and stuff like that. But it's like, honestly, as a society, I think it's it's going to be interesting, the dynamic moving forward, because once we remove all these things from people's lives, it's like you'll actually see like you won't be able to travel as much. So you have your local base, what you're building, what you're doing there. You won't have the external things like sports, different things. So it's really like almost I'm trying to take it as a time of like self-reflection. Because, I mean, obviously, it's not good for me financially. Like, I had several events that got canceled, and that's part of how I make my living is speaking, right? So, you know, for me financially, it's definitely taken a hit with, like, the Arnold getting canceled. That was the launch of my uh, nutrition company, Hyperion Sports Nutrition. That was my initial launch was we were introducing at the Arnold. So Mm -hmm. it was a huge hit. And, I mean, people are freaking out about different stuff like that. But it's like the panic doesn't solve anything. Panicking only makes you more frantic, more anxious, and just more overwhelmed with the entirety, no matter what the situation is. So instead of panicking about, oh, my God, what am I going to do with all these lost wages? What am I going to do? How am I going to make this money up? Right. But so it's honestly just everything like that moving forward. It's like you can't panic over anything. You can't panic. You have to just find like, you know, peace in like the, you know, the chaos so it's like why the widespread panic and everything. What you just have to do is you just ha- have to find some like calm amidst all the chaos. And so I'm just taking it as like a time of self reflection and just really refocusing and like really seeing what is in front of us, you know? Because all the media and all the like outside stuff, all of it's just noise and it's distractions for the most part. Because people sway you however they want you to be swayed, and that's what people just do. They listen and they respond to the panic, and that's kind of like just bringing that around to like what I like to do anyway, talking about like, you know, just self discovery and just really taking control of you and control of your emotions. It's just really, it's a teaching element for me because, you know, although it's going to hurt financially, it's like, what can I do from here? Instead of worrying about like, oh my God, what's going on? Like, you just have to be present in the now and just see what you can do moving forward instead of panicking about everything amidst, you know, while it's happening. So it's like, I don't know. It's definitely going to be a teaching lesson for, I think all of us.
2: Right. You mentioned the Arnold expo being canceled, which is, you know, a huge deal is I haven't seen much on like, is this something that people assumed might happen or is this cause they canceled, no, they canceled it the no, week of. So completely, like
1: completely. And I'm like, you know, the coronavirus like this was the first, that was really honestly, I think for the fitness industry, I think that was one of the very, like the first like big turnarounds was like, because I was sitting here and I like I was doing I think I was doing consult calls and I just all of a sudden got like five or six text messages from people like you know because everybody always hits me up like Stacy you know everything like what's going on and I was like completely blindsided they were like the Arnold's being canceled like question mark question mark it was completely out of the blue and that's why it hurt so bad because nobody could really prepare for it because we hadn't been notified of any kind of like anything at all and then i think on tuesday or wednesday night they like put out a psa and sent some emails and it was like i was supposed to be on a plane in two days you know and so and there was really that there was no kind of no kind of warning with that except for the fact that like we knew the virus was out there but we didn't know any kind of thing like that was you know turning up
0: yeah that's uh i i was i was doing some research just last night, about when the, this really started coming to everyone's radar, it's been on folks' radar for a while. Um, yeah, th- there's there's been some talk of coronavirus a- and different um, like huge events and things like that, and how it could affect the country back in January and February.
1: But oh it, wow! It,
0: but it seems like I guess nobody really knew for sure how big of mm-hmm. a how big of an impact this was going to have. And like you said, bam, Arnold's Arnold's canceled. And and I I guess, you know, just from the outside looking in, nobody really expected those things to happen. You just don't expect that it's going to it's going to take control like that so much because you really don't know until it actually does. But
1: yeah. And I mean, like that's it's and it's nobody's fault either. Everybody wants to point fingers and stuff. But it's like I think if you said that there's like stuff out there that says that January, February, it started appearing. I mean, I I heard like you know that it was out that it was out there in the wild, you know, I think a couple months ago. But like, I've still had seminars. There's still been events. Like, there were no like, you know, there was no kind of there was like a disconnect. Like, we didn't know if it was actually going to do anything or what was going to happen. And then just like the Arnold Expo, like when they pulled the plug on that, that was basically almost like a turning point. I feel like it's like okay, this is serious. Like clearly, if like if there's you know if they're not gonna because basically I mean the Arnold is. That's huge money. That's huge money for, I mean, for the Arnold itself, but like for businesses and stuff like that. So it's like if people are willing to turn down that much money, because I mean, money, obviously, whether we like it or not, dictates everything. So if they're willing to lose out on that kind of money, honestly, that's what I I was like, okay, this clearly has to be serious. And I think, I don't know, it's almost like that was the turning point um, because now it's like, you know, within two days, I think I've had, like, three seminar cancellations that I postponed, and I think now the, you know, the uh, grocery stores are selling out of stuff because of, like, all the hysteria around it because we now are taking it seriously. Right. And it's like, okay. Well, so it's been out there in the wilds for, you said, like, January, February, but we've just decided to take it seriously within the past couple weeks. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens and what unfolds from everything, but it's definitely going to be interesting. So,
0: mm. Yeah. I will just hang on and see how it goes. But I like how you said that you're kind of always prepared anyway. You got all those gallons of water, you know. I, I I do the same thing. I try to always keep water on hand. Try to keep my food stocked up, at least the essentials, all the time because I think it's just better to be prepared. But also, Stacey, you being a super strong person uh, in training, I, I don't know about you, but my mindset when I when I when I train, when I just you know stay healthy, stay fit, my nutrition. I, I kind of, in the, at least in the back of my mind and sometimes in the forefront of my mind, I'm always kind of just thinking, well, you know, if something does pop off, I want to be ready. You know, I, I don't want to be in a in a physical position to where I'm not the healthiest me that I can be because I want to be able to protect my family and myself and, and things around me. So how much do you think that you know, part of that is just also, you know, basic emergency preparedness?
1: I mean – Honestly, like that's really what I'm training for now. Like people will ask me, they're like, "Oh, you're not powerlifting anymore. Like what are you training for?" And I'm like, "I want to be ready." And like that's really like an underlying state of readiness, like because you know, with powerlifting I was squat, bench, deadlift. That was what I was doing for the most part. And I don't know about you, but my state of readiness wasn't really <laughs> I'm not chasing after anybody if you're going to give me a hard time and I just can't like, you know, crush you with my bare hands. Um I might have a hard time with anything cardiovascular related or anything like that. But nowadays, my training is much more functional based. It's like to stay ready for anything, to be able to run, to be able to, you know, like do anything, like move a certain way fast and not worry about, you know, pulling my QL because it's uh, not really a squat bench deadlift movement or contributor. So like my training now is more functionally based. And so really, that's the underlying thing, not like disaster prevention, obviously, but like to be ready in a sense that no matter, like you said, if something pops off, like, okay, I know I could handle it. Like if something happens, if someone's in danger, I could, you know, chase them down. I could be somebody's protector. I could take care of myself and, you know, my family or whatever it comes to because I'm physically prepared. And, you know, with training and just the consistency of training and what you have to do as far as recovering with your food, with your meals, with your water, with everything else, it's like, I stay at the top of my game or as, as as much as I possibly can. I think my mental suffers a little bit from stress. And sometimes like I don't get as much sleep as I need to because of like, you know, working so much. But it's like pretty much on every standpoint, I keep myself at a, the highest state of readiness that I can because you're going to be better because of that. And you're going to be better to impact other people. See, I think like the whole panicking and stuff like that is, is fear based, right? Because people don't feel like they're ready. When stuff happens, like if something's popping off, most people aren't like, oh my God, I can handle this. They're like, ah, what's, you know, because they're so unsure of a lot of different elements in their life. So, this big, big ball of uncertainty, it scares people because there's so much like at their foundation of them, there's so many holes and gaps versus people that are like solid in their purpose, solid in their grounding, solid in their beliefs and what they're doing to contribute to the world. If you're solid on everything pretty much with yourself, it helps you better impact and affect the community because you're always ready, right? Like you're always ready. And I'm, you know, my canned chicken and gallons of water isn't necessarily because I'm, you know, staying ready for an apocalypse, but it's because that's what I do. That's a habit that I form. Like I don't really panic in situations that are panic worthy because there's just no use for it. There's no need. Like after squatting 565 and being up under that and knowing that that could kill me if something went wrong, you just you can't panic. Like panic is the first thing that leads to you know breaking down of any type of you know progress. Because if you panic, that's going to shake you at your root at your core. If you just know that you're doing whatever you can, whether it's training, whether it's eating, whether it's taking your daily vitamins, whatever it is, if you know that moving forward you're doing whatever you can. If the coronavirus gets me, then guess what? I'll take care of myself then, and I'll make sure I'm quarantined. But guess what? Even with that, this the whole panic of everything. There is no need to panic because all that does is just make a big mess. And that's what the media does. That's what everything else does around us. And it's just distractions. So like if people were more simple, like, you know, they just were like me. They woke up, they ate, they went to the gym, they did their work and then they went home. (laughs) You know, they made good choices, you know, eating water. I mean, eating water, eating, you know, food, healthy food, drinking their water, like taking their vitamins. Like, honestly... There's no reason to panic and I think like training just helps you recognize that and it's definitely a anxiety relief and aid for me because like if you know you're investing in something for yourself where it's going like, to make you more prepared or make you better it just it helps you with a sense of security all around.
2: Right. You said you've shifted your training to more, you know, more functional type training is competing mm-hmm. is competing off the table now for you or have you, you Oh know- yeah,
1: I have no desire to compete ever again.
2: Wow. Yeah,
1: I mean, the, my goal, my long term goal was to be the best in the world, right? And mm-hmm. I accomplished that. Like, I accomplished that. And from there, it honestly, like, part of the thing that we were going to talk about was purpose. And it really gave me some time to think about really just my purpose as a whole. But I knew that powerlifting was not my claim to fame. Like, powerlifting was not something for me that I wanted to continue with the rest of my life. Just some of the decisions that I had to make with competing at that high level. Um, They weren't the best for my mental health. They weren't the best for me physically. And so it's just to like obviously set records for somebody else to break them. Right. So if I accomplished my long term end game goal, I did whatever I had to do to accomplish that. Basically to show that you could like to prove a point. Um, You know, my grandpa told me years ago and part of my like purpose driving to why I did you know, I want to be the best in the world was he told me I was the strongest woman in the world before he passed away. It was uh, in response to, I think my first meet, I was like, I totaled 810. And I was like, hey, it was like 10 pounds off of, I didn't know at the time, it was like a Federation juniors world record or something. But you know, you know how that is. I told him I was like, it's 10 pounds off of a uh, world record. And I was like, can you believe it? And what he told me was, of course, I can believe it. you're the strongest woman in the world. And so that to me, I kept that up until I accomplished my in-game goal, which to be the strongest woman in the world, to have a marker that says one dot Stacy Burr, I am the number one power lifter in the world. And so from there, what do you do? You know, like it's be selfish of me for me to continue on chasing clout and chasing like, you know, stuff like that, just being strong because I had so much more to give to other people. And so I I stepped away from all of that, and I don't have any desire to return because my purpose is rooted in helping other people. I basically did the powerlifting like I competed, and I competed with a goal in mind. I accomplished it, and I did it to prove a point that if you really want something bad enough, nothing can stop you. And like there was no reason why I should have been the best in the world. I'm not the biggest. I'm not the most genetically gifted I didn't have the best form. I never had like, you know, besides Trevor, Trevor's in godsend, but previous to him, I pretty much was self-taught. You know, I didn't, there are a lot of things that I did wrong, but I still made it to the absolute very top because I decided I was going to do it. And so that whole thing there, my powerlifting career was the proof of point. It was the proof of point that you can do anything that you set your mind to. And once I did that, it was just on to the next for me. So powerlifting, I'm a huge supporter. You know, I've got my supplement company. I'm contributing to the showdown meet in September in Buffalo. Um, I'm trying to give back, like for the community and the sport that you know helped me reach where I am now. I'm trying to give back, and I'm trying to do as much as I can to grow the sport as a whole. But for me, that's not where my heart is anymore, and that's not where I can be the biggest help. My, you know, I'm a, the bigger help is not with me under the barbell; it's with me getting other people under the barbell because. I think my whole entire purpose is to show people their capability. I think I was put on this world to show people how powerful they are, to show people how capable they are. And just because everybody doubts themselves, everybody doubts themselves. And like, for me, the idea of being a motivational speaker is something I've talked about for a very long time. Um, but just nobody really gave me any feedback. They were like, Oh, you can't do that. You don't speak well enough. Stacy, how are you going to do that? Like, you're from small town, South Carolina, I don't know anybody, like, how am I ever going to get out enough to make it as a motivational speaker, right? And so I was, you know, nobody really believed in me. And so what I did was after powerlifting, I used that to basically get an audience, I used that to get an audience to prove a point and to show everyone what you really could do, you know, like what you really could do. I've always been like an athlete, I've always wanted to be my very best and I've always been the overconfident underdog no matter what it is I'm going to excel at it because I know I'm capable of it and that's something that for me that's just how I'm wired that's how I'm wired but there are people out there who aren't wired like that but they can be it just takes a little bit of rerouting right so I think it's my goal through my life through my living through everything that I do daily is just to show people that you can do it if you want to So I left powerlifting and completely started over. I started over basically and became something different. You know, I had something great, but I gave it up because I knew there was something else better out there and I could better help people through my voice, through getting other people under a barbell, through motivating and inspiring others rather than, you know, just focusing on my accolades and what I could do. Because if I really wanted to, I mean, I could squat a thousand pounds. It'd take me a while, obviously, and I might be a little bit fatter than what I am now, But it's possible. I think that anything is possible if you just work for it. But to me, you impact more lives. Like all these people that I speak to, they don't know how much I squat. They don't know what my best total is. You want to know what they know and what they feel is that I took the time to listen to them. I took the time to help them. The things that I said were very important to them and showed them something that they didn't know they had within themselves. And so for me, that's way, way more satisfying and important. Than hitting a PR squat, you know, when I've basically had to isolate myself, um, you know, from the public, <laughs> so I can train and focus on, you know, being an athlete. It's much much greater for me to have a bigger impact on what I'm doing rather than what I'm squatting.
0: Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting turn of events for you, Stacy. The the fact that you you want to you want to ignite that spark in people, and it's it's. Because you had that spark in you and you have that spark in you, but it's also, you know, there are a lot of people out there who are just, they're ready and they're itching for someone to ignite that spark, to be motivated, but it takes a special kind of person to do that because I feel like a lot of people want to try to motivate, but they haven't had the... The time put in. They didn't put in the time. They didn't face the adversity. And so if they didn't face the adversity first before they're trying to ignite that spark in others, then obviously they can't, they don't have that story to tell and and, and they don't have that. If you don't, if you wear. don't
1: really like actually understand your own purpose, if like, it's really, there's, there's something about passion. There's something about doing things and you have no idea what it is that you're going to do, but you do it anyway because you're called to do it. Mm. Right. There's something about that, that just like, that can't be trained. That can't, that's not something that can be fake. That's not something that, you know, experience is the best teacher and experience and failure. Oh my God. If you don't experience any type of failure, if you just kind of put it, if you don't, if you don't pay your dues, you know, and you're just like, oh yeah, I'm a motivator. I'm. You know, that's great. I am hundred percent with it because if you can help other people, that's great. But I'm made for something more than that. Like there's always been something that's way bigger out there for me. And, you know, I thought powerlifting would really help me as far as like really understanding my strength, my capability. And it did. And I'm talking about it in ways that I had no idea. There are pieces and parts of me that I had never seen in myself. And like if you haven't discovered every part of yourself, if you don't know who you are whenever like things get hard, whenever there's a decision that could change your life and you're not afraid to make it there's something about that that just it can't be replicated. It can't be replicated through reading out of a book or for, you know, not paying the dues. Like you said, it's like there's something real about being true to yourself and your calling, regardless of what that looks like to anybody else. And it just you can see it, you know, and you can see. And that's why I'm not scared. I'm not scared of everything. Like people have asked me before. They're like, you're not scared. And I'm like, of what? And they're like, Of like losing everything. And I was like, "Well, here's the thing. I'll never lose everything because to me, my everything comes from within, right? Like my purpose, my calling comes from within. People that are scared about losing everything, what are they scared about? They're scared about material things. They're scared about they're going to lose their clout. They're going to lose their following. They're going to lose everything, all the distractions around us. That's what they're scared of losing. I don't care what kind of car I drive. I don't care where I live. I've li- I've been poor before, you know, that's part of my biggest like I thought it was going to be something that was a hindrance to me because for a long time I held that against me. I was like, I'll never be anything like I don't have the power to be anything because I'm I was poor. I grew up poor in South Carolina. I'm not very cultured, never really traveled before. But guess what? That was really my greatest asset and is one of my greatest assets because I know that I can live without much. All I need is shelter. All I need is my gym. Mm. All I need is, you know, the basic necessities. Toilet paper's not included. <laughs> it's the basic necessities of living. You know, that's what I need to survive. I don't need all this extra. Like other people that have had comforts, and I'm not saying, you know, people that grew up with money or rich, they're not any better than, better than me or like, you know, worse than me. But it's like when you've had all the comforts and stuff, it makes it harder for you to say, how could I live without this? I've lived with basically nothing before, you know, and I still got by. I still survived. So it's like, I'm not worried about losing everything because everything that I've built has come from within and nobody can take away something that comes from inside of you. You know, anything that the world gives you, it can be taken away easily. Like, you know, in the powerlifting world, now that I don't compete anymore, I will, I mean, like it's on to somebody else that's, you know, squatting 500 for reps. Like it's, you know, it's very... It's a non-forgiving kind of world, you know what I'm saying? Like, oh, well, Stacey's not doing anything, next. But it's like the majority of those people that are just worried about what you're lifting, those aren't necessarily the people that I'm trying to target anyway, because that's never what it's been about for me. And so if that's what you're looking for, you should probably unfollow me. You should probably turn a different page because I think there's way more than just lifting weights. I think you can lift people through lifting weights. And I think that's the most important thing through all of it. Like, why do we train in the first place? Why do we do any of this? What's it for? Like, is your goal to have the biggest casket? Like, you know, when you're buried, is that like a a PR you want to set? Because like, what I want to do is like beyond that. It's beyond that because like lifting weights changed my life. Lifting weights saved my life. Lifting weights is how I just, I figured out that, I could be something like I could continue to build if I wasn't there now. Like if I failed a rep, it's like, okay, I'm not strong enough yet. And like every seminar I give, I usually talk about that word yet. It's like, I'm just not there yet, but it doesn't mean I won't be, I can continue to do the reps. I can continue to do the work. And guess what? I will be. And that to me is just so empowering. And that's the reason why I want to get people under a barbell is just to see that there's a yet, like that you're so much more capable than what you give yourself credit for because I started out being scared of squats. I was terrified of it because I didn't like know how you know I didn't have a spotter and then I ended up with two all-time world records for squats right It's just crazy the change of events and like things will change if you let them and it's like if you let things change and they're led by your purpose and your calling there's something incredible about that and it's just really really amazing for me to see amazing for me to be able to live. But it's really awesome for me to be able to talk about it while I'm doing it. Because most people, you know, whenever you change, things are hard, right? Whenever something dramatically changes, like whether I make things look flawless or not, it's because I I make sure I focus on the good. I focus on the positives because there's no reason to ever focus on the negatives. If you focus on the negatives, guess what? You're going to stay there. You just have to worry about moving forward. So change and like this big and dramatic of a change has been incredibly hard. I've done a lot of soul searching because like for me, uh, for five years, all I was concerned about was my squat, my bench and my deadlift number, my total, you know, what my ranking was, like how many records did I have? When was I going to compete again? That was what I basically tied my self-worth into because that was who I had become. I had become this fearless lifter. I had become this, you know, icon for Stacey's going to be the best in the world. Like this was basically my calling in life at that time, right? And so, walking away from that and not being concerned about how much I squat, bench, or deadlift, it's been it's been an interesting turn of events because I've changed my focus. Right? I've changed my focus on not wanting to be quite as big. Like I weighed like one seventy. Um, my my when I was training at my last comp, like my last meet, I was one seventy two was my top weight, and I'm a one forty eight competitor. But like that was where I like needed to be for training, and so that was where it was. That's huge. Like I don't know if you guys have ever seen me, but I'm like short. Whether I like <laughs> pretend like I'm 6'4 or not, I'm 5'3. So 172 <laughs> at 5'3 is pretty pretty out. But, you know, I changed my focus of training to be more functional based. I changed my focus of training so I could like lose some weight. So I wasn't eating around the clock because when I was training like uh, to be the best in the world, I ate my meals. I live with my coach. I moved down to Florida and like live with my coach and his family and his kids. Like, I, I gave it all up to do that, right? That was my main focus. And now it's like I get to look at other things. I get to do other things. I get to expand my businesses, and I get to really expand my impact and what I want to do next. And it's the coolest thing because I don't have to be chained to, okay, Stacy, so you got to eat six meals today. At this time, you're doing this. At this time, you're eating this. At this time, because I was doing mobility like three times a day. I was training at least once, um, you know, like once a day. And I mean it was just crazy. And it's crazy now that my focus has shifted so much, but it's really the biggest and truest blessing that I could ever ask for. It's been hard, but you only get stronger when you do things that are hard. And I don't necessarily mean like through strength, you know, like through pounds on a bar, you only get stronger when you do things that are hard and do things that are challenging to you because that comfort zone, like, you know, I can continue to live forever. I know how to do that. I've been doing that. Like, nothing new i am the best clearly like i mean i proved it to you so what What more do you want oh, nice but that's like not even challenging to me anymore that's not challenging to add more weight to a bar what's challenging is to do something completely different change the way that people look at you change the way that people see you because you can re- recreate yourself it takes a lot you know it takes time and it takes energy but you just have to be willing to do it And so that's the coolest thing for me is being able to recreate myself and just stand in my own light and just face every single challenge that, you know, comes next for me. And it's, it's been fun because every single challenge, it makes me better in some way. Hmm. Thank you for coming to my TED talk.
2: (laughs) (laughs) It seems like a lot of what what you're talking about is legacy. And it sounds like you have, you're lucky enough to have the mindset that you were able to reach the top of what you wanted and then move on to the next thing so lucky e, well
1: I was lucky the term?
2: fortunate and yeah. hard work I guess. Th- yeah what, I, is, I, what I, is luck <laughs> <laughs> okay so i what i meant to say was it sounds like what, you, all, ha- you, all, you, you, you have you have the mindset what do you,
1: what do you, what's luck
2: uh i don't know what do you, the definition of luck
1: yeah what do you think it is
2: i don't know i don't think i've ever been asked that question before
1: yeah <laughs> this is fun <laughs> like i, th- I mean oh. i think luck is real like obviously like you know you scratch off on a paper and like obviously you win or you lose but i think you can set yourself up to be a lot luckier than some people right like i think we can kind of determine our own luck crap happens like obviously look at the state of where we're at now you know like we're all hoarded up and stuff and i'm sitting here i'm grilling you about luck but <laughs> luck to me is what we create You know, and it's like people will say to me all the time. That's why I get triggered by that word. It's just like, oh, my God, you're so lucky. You're so lucky that you get to work when you want to. You're so lucky that you got to do that. You're so lucky. And like, it makes me mad. Like, you don't make me mad. But like people, when they say that based on like, oh, you're so lucky. Well, I decided to do this because luck has really honestly nothing to do with anything. Right. Out like outlying, because it's what you do to create that luck. It's up to you to create your own luck. Sometimes things play in your favor, sometimes they don't, but I didn't get lucky with competing because I failed three or four times when I actually thought I was like, that was going to be the last one. You know, that was going to be my last competition. But then it's like, oh, you you fell short. You got to do it all over again. Oh, you fell short. Well, guess what? You got to do it all over again. Luck is created through our habits, through the opportunities that we create for ourselves. So for me, the idea of luck, I think it's just something that people use to kind of discredit and say oh you know you were lucky enough to do that Mm -mm. I promise you I wasn't lucky enough to do anything I decided I was going to commit to something and I decided I was going to do it and that's really all it took so it's just preparation opportunity and you create your own luck yeah
2: Yeah. right obviously (laughs) all of everything that you've succeeded in came from hard work and I I used luckily on accident. <laughs> Let's say. It's okay. I'll make it. You. You'll
1: never use it again because
2: you remember this. Right. Okay. So what I was saying was like you it seemed like you're talking about legacy. And the reason why I say that is because you see like football players, MMA fighters, these people who they may have the same mindset as far as I want to reach this goal. I want to, I want to win that title. I want to win that Super Bowl. I want to do this, that, and the other. But once and then they can work their butt off to get there. And then once they get there, it's like, okay, this is who I am now. So there, there's no like, you know, rerouting to a different place because this is who I am now. So I keep, I need to keep going. I need to keep going. But then you see them decline in not the greatest of ways. So that that's kind mm-hmm. of what that's what I was talking about. Your mindset, like you've got a good mindset as far as, OK, I've reached the pinnacle of this. Now I'm going to try to reach the pinnacle of something else that's not going to you know be the downfall of me. Does that make sense?
1: Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. I mean, people are people are scared. I mean, it is scary. It is terrifying. Like I'm not trying to downplay at all how scary it is to like walk away from a sure thing to walk away from something that you're good at, like football players and MMA players. There are a lot of people that I can actually think of. It's like, you know, when they're at the top of their game and you're like, man, he should. And then like, they keep on playing or keep on doing. And then it's like, they continue to decline, decline, decline. And so they lose that sense of like, you know, wow, they're the best you know, quarterback in the NFL because they keep on just trying to like milk it for what it's worth. Right. And you should have give, you should have like quit with it like three years ago so that way you could give your energy to something else. Because like obviously at a certain point, I think you if you fall out of like I fell out of love with powerlifting. Like I mean hundred percent. And like for me, I fell out of love with powerlifting because I knew that I wasn't being able to be my very best there. Like the very best person that I had the potential and capacity to be as far as of helping others, affecting others in a positive way. And it's like if you can just recognize that it's okay to walk out on top. Like, you don't have to get greedy, you know, because, like, if you get greedy, that's when things go bad. That's whenever you start to decline. That's whenever your focus shifts. And it's like, if you're not in love with it anymore, if you're in love with the idea of being the best, that's never for me been like, it sounds kind of, you know, contradictory. I've never been in love with the idea of being the best in the world. What I've been in love with has been the process. It's been the process of what it takes to get there. Being there once I did it, I'm like, okay, cool. Now I'm just gotta fall in love with another process because once you fall in love with the process, it you know you decline from there. But it's terrifying. It's terrifying to say that you you know spent this much of your life. I think like look at The Rock. Like you know The Rock is somebody who I think has a you know a businessman. Like that's I'm trying to be the 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 female Rock. Okay, I've got the eyebrow raise and everything going for me. <laughs> nice. Um, I've got the eyebrow raise tattoos we'll see what happens but it's like you can excel in one thing but then when you know it's time for you to do something else whenever you feel your calling is swayed in a different way like there's more that you can do because like a lot of people at the top of their game once you lose that pinnacle of top of your game what has all that taught you it's given you a ton of experience that you can share with other people and a lot of people if they don't if they're selfish in a sense that they don't want to share that or if they're you know financially dependent on that one thing it's like for me, powerlifting never really paid the bills. Um, so I didn't have to be financially dependent on that thing. Honestly, being away from powerlifting makes me way more financially stable and secure because powerlifting was, I mean, it's brutal. It's a very, very tough mistress because there are no giant well, you know, previously there were no giant payouts. The Kern did that 40000 one year, and that's what I chased so hard to get. And I got second place and I got, um, 10,000 and then a thousand pl- uh, dollars for, um, like I think, uh, the winning my class. So grand total, the biggest payout I ever got was $11,000. And if you think about working year round for an $11,000 salary, um, that's not even guaranteed that kind of, that puts it in perspective for you that like I trained every single day. I trained year round. There aren't any big companies out there. that are throwing out like, you know, like bodybuilding style, schol- uh, not scholarships, um, but sponsorships, basically a scholarship, there that doesn't exist. So with powerlifting, you have to find another means of financial stability as well. So for me, it's like, I don't know, everything just made sense that I needed to do something that was going to better suit my purpose, suit me financially, and suit like my impact. Because financial stuff, like that's why I did powerlifting in the first place, because I didn't care about the money. If I cared about the money, I would have been a golfer. <laughs> like, but. <laughs> It's just, I don't know, it's pretty cool, and I think that people are scared of branching out and doing something different, because I remember walking out of my coach Trevor's house, and um, I cried, and he was like, you know, are you okay, and I was like, I'm just gonna go, and I'm gonna try to live, and he was like, why are you upset, and I was like, I don't know how to, Um, and I wasn't planning on getting emotional, but here we are, you know, and so for me, I didn't know how to really do much else outside of powerlifting. I had, you know, isolated and alienated myself that that was really all I knew, you know, I was eating, I was sleeping, training, and that was it. Basically, you know, my income was coming from coaching. So I had like athletes that I was working with, you know, powerlifting specific. So that's literally eat, sleep, breathe, powerlifting. That was it to me. That was all I knew. And so walking away from all of that, I'm terrified. You know, it's terrifying because you're all you're starting completely over. And a lot of people just to be honest, don't have the balls to do it. And I'm not sure if it's, you know, a mixture of they're a little bit smarter than me. Uh, <laughs> or like they just di- like it's terrifying. It's terrifying to completely start over. And you just got to be willing to do it. And you got to be willing to take the risk. That's something that I've always been willing to do. It's like if I know I'm not where I need to be. I'll change it, you know, like, I'll change it. If I'm not 100% happy, if I'm not where I need to be, I'll risk everything because I know what's within me. And I know if I'm happy, I'll be able to make anything grow. I'll be able to make anything, like, succeed if I just want it. And that's really what I'm trying to spread to everybody out there. Like, with my podcast, I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how how that was going to impact people. But I just did it. And then man, wow, like that was, that's that my podcast has honestly changed my life. Because I didn't know what I was going to be talking about. I had no idea. People just told me, Oh, well, Stacey, you talk way too much. Like you talk so much, as you guys can see. <laughs> and they were like, you need a podcast. And like, most people were like, thought I was gonna talk about sports. or t- thought I was gonna be funny. But it turned into like a motivational podcast and a monologue at that. Like, where it's just me. Like, it's, you know, most podcasts, you're talking to someone else. But me and my manager, we turned it into my monologue, basically. And it makes people feel like you're legitimately speaking to them and reaching them. And it's just, honestly, it's the coolest thing for me. Like, my life every day has been, like, I was terrified. And it's been hard. And there have definitely been times where I've been just, like, discouraged. And I'm like, is this even worth it? But, like that's how you know you're on the right path is whenever you're sitting there like, is this really worth it? And then you answer the question yourself and you're like, yes. And when you say yes, that, you know, it is worth it. You keep moving forward. That's what I do with powerlifting. That's why I didn't quit every time I failed is because you ask yourself, is this worth it? And for me, my powerlifting journey, is this worth it? What, what magical, like when I hit the number one spot, you know, on open powerlifting, what's going to happen? Am I going to get a giant check? Is confetti going to fall from the sky? Am I going to be offered like a sponsorship with Nike or something? No, I woke up the next morning and I was still the same exact person I was the day before. You know what I'm saying? like nothing dramatically changes unless something changes inside of you. And so for me, that's the coolest thing has been being the change myself and experiencing the change myself so I can better tell other people how to do it for themselves. It's really, really awesome, and I'm so glad that I'm, you know, you guys are sitting here listening to me talk about it, and I'm gonna be able to share this with other people.
0: Yeah, no, it's great, and you know, I've checked out several of your uh, your podcast episodes, Champion Mindset podcast. Uh-huh. It's uh, I-, I love what you're doing, but now that I know what kind of track you're on, because. I didn't realize that you were getting out of powerlifting. I didn't realize, I guess, I guess I didn't, I don't know if I didn't check out the right episodes or whatever, but um, now I realize that you're on this particular track and you're speaking and what you're shaping this out to be. And it's, that's very, very cool because you are taking, Thank you're using another vehicle, like kind of like what you did with powerlifting. Excuse me. I know that you had a passion for powerlifting. It was, it was what you did is what you, what you lived. But it was also a vehicle to get you where you're at now. And I feel like what you're doing now is another vehicle to get you to where you're going. And that's... Exactly. It, 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 when, when you take that and you can dissect that a little bit and realize the, the, the process there, that's that's an amazing thing. And so, you know, it's it's even, even cooler now that I, I've gotten to speak with you one-on-one. The process
1: so. is the best part. And see, like, that's like, I don't necessarily always, like... If people talk to me and like they ask me my thoughts, my opinion, like I'll absolutely tell everybody. I'll tell you all my dreams, all my desires. I told you guys earlier I was going to get like my first big like event that's outside of the gym because I've been doing a lot of seminars and speaking events and I kind of cleverly <laughs> disguised them originally as powerlifting seminars, right? I would talk about, I like, could have a motivational like, uh, in like I'd start out with, you know, a motivational speech, you know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour or something, and then I'd do a powerlifting seminar afterwards talking about squat bench and deadlift. Hmm. But then I'd also tell you that I could teach you how to squat, bench, and deadlift, but if you didn't apply it with the motivational talk that I gave you, like if you didn't apply these things that I taught you about discipline, consistency, if you didn't apply that, you knowing how to squat, bench, and deadlift isn't really going to help you squat, bench, and deadlift if you don't show up and do it. You know? Mm -hmm. So I cleverly disguised it like that. And now I'm moving more into like not just the gym setting, you know, because people actually realize that there's value in what I'm speaking about and you have to make people listen to you and you have to give them something to listen to so that's what the idea is is moving forward the podcast you know the seminars everything is about just getting people to listen to you to figure out what they need like sometimes you need to hear somebody else talk about their own struggles talk about how they've done this for themselves and how they've struggled and failed and it gives you more confidence moving forward And so I don't even know. Somebody asked me, they were like, you know, do you want us to introduce you as a motivational speaker? And I was like, I really don't care. I was like, I have 12 different jobs depending on the day. You know, like I was like, just introduce me as Stacey Burr, like the best in the world. And (laughs) it's just really cool for me. Like what all this has turned into, because what you said is just the process behind it all. That's Mm. the thing where you just fall in love with the process. I have no idea where the podcast is going to go in the next year two years three I have no idea I have no idea where it's going to take me what road it's going to take me down what journey but I know I'm following my calling I'm following what I'm called to do and wherever that does take me it'll lead me somewhere that I'm going to be able to be the best version of me you know and be able to help impact others and it's just really really cool to be in love with the process that you let all the things go that are distractions I'm so in love with the process. I'm so in love with building something like an empire, a legacy. I'm so in love with the challenges and the hardships that come with that, that it's just like powerlifting. In order to get stronger, you have to move more and more weight. And so more responsibilities, more challenges. And when you get to rise to the occasion every single time, it's just like squatting. The reason why I got so good at squatting is because I did it, right? Like I didn't ask myself how, like if I was going to be able to do it or not. I just did it. I did it. I did it over and over and over. So I got better and better and better. And that's what happens is consistency breeds confidence. So every time I do something hard, every time I face a new challenge or, you know, step out of my comfort zone, I know I'm getting better. And it's just being in love with that kind of process and like doing that again, because for a while there, there was a time period where I was like, I've been, I've been real depressed before, you know what I'm saying? So I'm not going to say I was at my worst at all. But like, after I gave up powerlifting and I moved forward, there was a time where I was probably, you know, like, I was a little bit going down on like the road of depression again. And I was like, unsure of what I was going to do, how I was going to do it. But you just lean into whatever it is you know that you're called to do. And I just, I've been able to turn everything around through a shift in perspective because it's all about how you look at things. If you just look at things and think about how hard it's going to be, it's not going to make it any easier for you. You just have to realize that you can do it. All the hard stuff is put there for a reason and you can do it. So I'm just here for everything. I'm like, I'm here for everything. And so for every hardship, like, you know, the Arnold getting canceled, like the events getting canceled now. And it's just like for every hardship. That's just going to find a next level of you. And so I'm here for it. Whatever I have to do, whatever I have to, you know, become in order to really just find, you know, keep on moving forward, that's what I'll do. And so that was always my, that's always been basically, uh, I'll say my commitment, my thing, whatever it takes to, you know, the end game goal, whatever it takes in between, I'll do it. And even if I don't really know exactly specifically what the in-game goal is, I will do the work that's required in order to be the best in terms of what I want for myself.
2: Now, have you started a full-on supplement line or just put out a a product?
1: No, we've got a line. We've got uh, BCAAs, we've got a pre-workout, an intra-workout, and a sleep aid. So, yeah, (laughs) it's been... It was a year when my last competition was at the Arnold, and um, I had the idea and goal in mind, and I started everything. I already had the idea, but I started the planning and preparation, how to get things moving forward, basically a couple months after I finished competing. I think I finished March. March was when the Arnold was, April, May, and I think in the end of May is whenever I got things on paper and started moving forward with the supplement line. Wow. And it's Hyperion Sports Nutrition. And I, the, I always knew like through my piloting career, I wanted to work with a nutrition company. I worked with several along the way. And um, just so, you know, some of them are really great products, but it's just there was something about it, you know, no shade to any type of companies. But it's like people didn't do things quite how I would do them. Right. You know, through a business ethics standpoint, through just basically how they're attracting customers. There were things that people did that I necessarily wasn't a fan of. And so just there were things ethically, too, that I wasn't a fan of. And I realized moving forward, I tried to work with First Form. Um, I think they're out of St. Louis and I tried to work with First Form for a while there. And I loved the products. The products were great. And I like but there were just some things behind the scenes that I wasn't necessarily a fan of. And I was just like, okay, I was like, well, if this is, you know, not the move, I was like, I guess I'm just going to have to do this myself. Because I wanted to work with a company so I could like basically help, you know, if these are the products that I support and I use and they are helpful for me, I wanted to be able to share that with other people and be able to like really know that I was representing a company that stood for what I stood for. Um, just because that's something like for me that being really morally rooted, that's something that's always been important to me is knowing that people can trust whatever I say, you know, and they're not giving their money to people that are abusing it or anything like that. And so I was like, well, I guess I'll just have to do this myself. And that was pretty much when the thing, when things didn't work out with first form, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it myself. And I did. Hmm. So I had like ideas in mind, like already on paper, because I used to work in the supplement industry. Like I used to back in high school, like, in college, I'd work at the vitamin shop, GNC, like I would do things and I was never a really good salesman, right? But people always came in to talk to me about, you know, their supplements and everything. I wasn't a good salesman because I didn't sell, you know, commission based. Like, I didn't know oh, this is the product of the month. We need to push like X number of these. I wouldn't sell somebody something that they didn't need. I refused to do it. So, like, when they'd walk in the door and, you know, they'd say, oh, we'll push this product, I wouldn't do it. I would give them the products that they needed, you know, or that they wanted moving forward, the things I thought would help them. And people appreciated that. People appreciate when you're actually telling them the truth. And that's just something for me that I've recognized that. I tell the truth, and that's something that people respect. And so for me, I wanted to be able to create products, have products that morally, ethically, everything was what it says it was. And Hyperion Sports Nutrition, I'm a big nerd, and I love mythology. So Hyperion is the god of light, right? So being the god of light, bringing something truth and light to the supplement industry it's something that I think is a little bit different. It's not necessarily the best marketing hitter kind of thing, but it's just something that is reflective of me and people. If they know that they're buying something that is morally sound, rooted, just ethically, and it is what it says it is, right? Like, I'm not trying to sell you a product because honestly, if you don't go to the gym, my product's not going to save you. My product's not going to, you know, give you the motivation to get out of bed if you're being, a, you know, a trash can. It's not going to do it. Like, my BCAAs aren't going to make you recover if you're sleeping an hour a night. Like it's not I'm not trying to sell you and say that this is going to be the supplement that changes your life because the thing that changes your life is you. Supplements are just that. They're supplements. They're supplemental to the foundational elements and I don't think I've ever heard a supplement company tell you that their supplements not like the you know absolute bread and butter of everything, right? I'm not trying to sell you a lie. I'm trying to sell you that if you work on yourself And then you add supplements in on the the icing on the cake, but you got to have the foundation first. And so really, that's what I set up Hyperion Sports Nutrition to be is products that are helpful to you, will help you along your journey, but they're supplements. And it's what I use now, like currently, and I'm trying to basically make things that I use. So things that I can actually say, hey, I like this product. I'm currently using it and I can be honest about it, you know. Because I've given up sponsorships. I'm basically a free agent for the most part. I work with a couple people, but I dropped a lot of sponsorships because partially, like, some of the payment was okay. But at the end of the day, if you wanted me to promote a product that I wasn't using, I'm not going to do that. Like, I don't care what the payment is. If it's a product that I'm not using, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you, hey, I use this every single night. This cream that I rub on me and it's in a green bottle. I'm going to use this every, like, I'm not going to lie to you and tell you that. Like, I'll just be honest and upright. And, you know, it is what it is. I don't like endorsing anything that is not up to my standards. And so (laughs) it puts me at a a hardship, right? Because if it's not up to my standards, that means I guess I got to do it. (laughs) So I created Hyperion Sports Nutrition. And that is, you know, our line. We had a pre-sale launch, I think, February the 8th. And it did fantastic. Like we had like a limited edition presale and everything sold out. Everything sold out, I think, in less than 24 hours. And so I was like super excited about it. But um, our big launch we planned was just going to be at the Arnold. We were going to do some online sales like we did. We launched our online sales anyway. We just launched them a little bit earlier than expected. But we planned to really just get the product to people's hands at the Arnold but that clearly didn't happen. So all we were, all we had was the online sales. So we definitely took a huge hit, not talking about like, you know, the expenses and like the booth rent and everything like that, that, um you know, we still haven't figured out what's going to happen with the Arnold, you know, if they're going to reschedule or do whatever. But that was the big plan there. And that was going to be our big, really big push and getting products in people's hands because you got so many people there that are coming to see me, to talk to me and like, I'm not a really good salesman. I actually, any kind of shirts or products or anything that I've ever stood at a booth, I've never really, I don't think, sold a single shirt or sold a single product. I just, I'm like, this is my brand. This is my company. And I support this. I believe in this. Why do Why do I take this? And I'll tell you why. But then I talk to people. I interact with people. And they really, really, like, appreciate that, you know? And they know that I'm not selling, like, bootleg products. So it's like just building relationships with people, But I didn't get the chance to build any new relationships or, you know, see anybody. So we were just limited to the online and the online sales did great, but it just wasn't quite, you know, obviously in comparison to what the Arnold would have been. So moving forward, that's the plan with the supplement company. And I'm trying to just really get any kind of product that I use. I'm trying to basically replace it with what I what I want to be using. So I'm probably going to work on. The protein, protein industry is a little bit different just as far as getting product, but I'm probably going to work into like going in the protein direction. And I also see like there's a need, especially maybe the coronavirus will help me financially here, but I think there's definitely, I have something in the work for immune booster. That's kind of my next move. And it's not something that a lot of supplement companies really promote or anything like that, especially not me, like a sports supplement, but taking an immune booster is really I Trevor Trevor really put me on a bunch of different like kind of like herbal stuff like oil of oregano different things and like as far as like supplementing my immune system so I'm really going to get together and you know put something together and I want to have that available to athletes it might actually help you prevent you know the spread of the coronavirus so
2: (laughs) (laughs) there's your tagline (laughs) you know that's something that I'm working
1: on next but it's always just going to be something you know working on the next you know so that's what it is for me and that's where i'm at with that
0: perfect well stacy before we let you go i always like to try to put our guests on the spot at least once and so if you could take us out of this episode by giving us one last bit of advice for someone who knows they want to do something they feel like they have a purpose they're just having trouble putting their finger on the button they just they're, they're having some trouble Uh, finding the exact track they need whatever the case may be what kind of advice can you give for that person who wants to do something and find their purpose in life
1: all right easiest advice i'll say right here Boop. Did you just hear that? I just, you had your hand on the button and I just pressed it for you. Uh, I just pressed nice. it for you because hesitation is the dream killer. If you have an idea, if you have a goal, if you have a dream, if you have something that you want to do, like starting a business or whatever it is, if you have the idea in mind and it's something that you feel deep rooted, not just like, you know, a fleeting idea, that's a tattoo. You know, you just get a fleeting idea, get a bad tattoo, move on. But if it's something that is recurring, it's just something you really want to do, do it. And if you don't know how to do it, God bless. There is a wonderful thing called the Internet out there. And you can pretty much Google search anything on how to do anything. Right. Check out Google. Check out YouTube. There are so many how to's on how to do stuff. You want to start a podcast, how to start a podcast. Do it. Stop being paralyzed by fear because you're so scared and you don't know how not knowing how to do anything is not an excuse anymore because you can find out in a matter of 30 minutes, you take an hour of self-guided research, take 30 minutes a day. If there's something you want to do, take 30 minutes a day to improve your, your stance on that. Just move forward, read for 30 minutes, look on YouTube, figure out how to do what it is you want to do and create a plan. So stop, you know, sitting, stop sitting on yourself and just waiting around for the perfect opportunity because it's not going to happen. Like, there is no such thing as a perfect opportunity. The, the thing is just creating the opportunity and taking it. And an opportunity won't happen if you don't press that go button. So you press that go button and just figure it out. Figure out what you need to do and how you need to do it. And don't be afraid to make mistakes along the way because the mistakes are what makes you better. Like the hardships and, you know, all that. If you were successful straight off the rip, you wouldn't have anywhere else to go from there. You know, you just be automatically the, you know, you make all this money, everything goes in you know, your favor. And what kind of story is that, right? You're not going to get better. If you want to get better, you got to be willing to kind of suffer a little bit. You got to kind of get into the grind again. And if you're willing to do that, if this is something that you are so committed to, this idea that you can't stop thinking about then you will be willing to do that and be willing to get better because you'll fall in love with the process. So just stop hesitating. I already pressed the button for you. If you're listening to this podcast right now, you've made it this far, dude, do it. Do it. And if you have questions, I always encourage people. I have people reach out to me all the time about ideas, stuff like that. I do consulting, like reach out to me And tell me what your idea is. And basically, I'm the world's best hype man. If you tell me why you want to do something, I'm going to tell you to do it. So don't hit me up and say, I want this. Because then in a couple months, you're going to have this clothing company. You're going to start this thing. So don't come to me with some half-hearted ideas. If you want to do something, just put your foot down on the gas and floor it. That's really the best advice I can say for anybody that's wanting to do something, but just scared to do it or doesn't feel like they know enough. Figure it out.
0: (laughs) Perfect. Perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Stacey Burr. Stacey, it's always a pleasure. We look forward to the next time. And yeah, we're going to continue to follow along and track your progress. And uh, yeah. Oh, no,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. It's going to be a fun ride. So I'll see. I'll talk to you guys in a couple months.
0: (laughs) Sweet. Yep. We'll be in touch, Stacey. Thanks again.
1: All right. Stay safe.
0: All right. And we're out. Thanks again to Stacey Burr, and thank you, CEP Listener. Remember that word of mouth is like a fresh breath of spring air for us. So don't forget to tell your friends and fam about the great variety you hear right here on the CEP. Please subscribe to our show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you consume your podcast to keep the variety coming straight to your ear holes with that automaticity. Also on that note, when you go to Apple Podcasts, it would help us immensely if you would give us a five-star rating while you're there to show your love for the CEP. We greatly appreciate that. And speaking of love and appreciation, we love it when you give us all your love on the socials when in fact you do give us all of your love on the socials so be sure to give us all your love on the socials and be sure to visit the launching pad for all things cerebral at CEPodcast.com. and of course if you need to contact us you can do that at cerebral at thecepodcast.com and also remember that we now have official CEP merch at buyjack.com CEP that's b-y-j-a-c-k dot com slash c-e-p so get online and get your c-e-p gear today now that's all i've got folks so until next time be sure to keep those big beautiful brains of yours nice and warm out there see ya